Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is Lee Habib, and this is Our American Stories. And we tell stories about everything here on this show, including yours. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. Up next, a story from the American Civil War Museum in Richmond, Virginia, about an ordinary object that has an extraordinary story behind it that many didn't know until recently. Here's Chris Graham, curator of exhibitions at the museum, with a story. It's a white cloth. It looks like a towel folded up. It's not dyed. It's roughly woven. 
be honest with you, not much to look at. And you wouldn't think too much about it because, you know, it's not a gun, it's not a uniform, you know, it's not a sword, but th this one very plain artifact witnessed so much during its time. The people that donated this artifact in the early 19th century, I think about 1905, 1907, uh, gave it to the museum and said, this is a piece of cloth that was woven by the Negroes on our plantation. And so to the people that donated this object, it is a object that demonstrates that the material shortages in the Confederacy were so bad that we had to weave our own cloth. This is how bad it got for us. This is how bad we suffered. Also, by identifying it as something that was made by one of their enslaved people, they could say that, yes, they were in it with us in the same way that we were in it. They didn't see runaways. They didn't see self-emancipators. And what that means is that over the course of the 20th century, as those people wrote about and defined what counts as Civil War history, that part of the experience was left out. But we see that now. It was uh, made on a plantation in Darlington County, South Carolina. It was made by an enslaved person who was enslaved by a man named Mitchell King. Mitchell King was a Scottish immigrants, United States, but you know, he came over in 1812 or something, I don't remember, but established himself in Charleston. Became a lawyer, a judge, very well respected, an extremely wealthy man who owned multiple plantations from Georgia to North Carolina, growing chiefly rice. So he had a plantation near Savannah, near to where the United States Army was encroaching on the Sea Islands of South Carolina and Georgia early in the, in the war. And wherever the United States Army goes, enslaved people take what chance they can get to escape to it. Enslavers knew this. They knew it. And they took measures to move their enslaved populations out of the way. And so wherever you see the United States Army going, you see enslaved people running to the army, but you also see slave owners taking their populations and moving them further inland. This great movement of essentially refugees from freedom, you might say, that are going inland. And so Mitchell King moved his the population of his rice plantation near Savannah to Darlington, South Carolina to grow cotton. He purchased a plantation there called Witherspoon Island that had formerly been owned by a man who died and his widow was killed by one of her enslaved people. Occasionally, enslaved people will kill their masters. And so they're already moving into a, into a fraught landscape. The Witherspoon population of enslaved people were sold off. Families broken up, distributed amongst the Witherspoon heirs somewhere else. The Mitchell King family moved their people, about 205 people, 205 people moved from Savannah to Darlington, South Carolina, to grow a crop they didn't know how to grow, to be in a place where they didn't know anyone around them, and to kind of be secure from the temptation to escape to freedom in the United States Army. And so it's in this context that one of these people wove this piece of cloth. 
at the end of the war, this population was still on Witherspoon Island plantation. It wasn't actually an island, it was just a plant, the name of a plantation. Mitchell King died during the war, old age, but his son still owned the, the plantation. He didn't dispute emancipation. He wanted his people to continue working on that plantation. And so he used the Freedmen's Bureau, an agent from the Freedmen's Bureau, to negotiate a contract with his formerly enslaved population that were now free on the property. And so they worked out a contract for them to work through the rest of the year in 1865, farming cotton in Darlington County. And so this is, you know, perhaps, I don't know the, the conditions under which they negotiated a contract, but certainly it was maybe the first time in a corporate way that, that these enslaved people were able to kind of negotiate from a position of freedom on matters and terms that free people negotiate things for, contracts for work, labor, pay. At the end of 1865, an interesting thing happens though. The Freedmen's Bureau agent comes back and he looks around and he says, these people you have working for you, they know how to grow rice. They don't know how to grow cotton. This place looks shabby. You should send them back to Savannah. And that's actually what happened. The population is plantation up and moved back to Savannah. And the owner of the plantation had to kind of scramble to find laborers from the existing population around him. And so the, there's some unknown questions in that. Was this a choice that they made? Were they forced to go back to Savannah? Did they choose on their own to go back to Savannah? Was it because they would rather grow rice than cotton? I don't know. Was it because they knew people in Savannah? They probably had family on other farms that they knew back there. That was a place that they called home. Maybe they wanted to be there. Maybe they didn't give a damn about whether they could grow cotton or rice. Maybe they wanted to go home. And now they had this opportunity, you know, whereas in 1862, they were forced to migrate elsewhere. But now maybe they had, I like to think that they had the choice to migrate again, but on their own terms this time. And a special thanks to Monty Montgomery for the production and Chris Graham at the American Civil War Museum in Richmond, Virginia. The story of a white cloth, the story of so much more, including the sovereignty of the individual to live free in this great country, and the story of America's original sin, slavery. All of it, here on Our American Story. Folks, if you love the stories we tell about this great country, and especially the stories of America's rich past, know that all of our stories about American history, from war to innovation, culture, and faith, are brought to us by the great folks at Hillsdale College, a place where students study all the things that are beautiful in life and all the things that are good in life. And if you can't get to Hillsdale, Hillsdale will come to you with their free and terrific online courses. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. This is Our American Stories, and up next, a story you likely won't forget. Across the state of Iowa, people can find the Freedom Rocks. These rocks, painted by Ray Bubba Sorensen, depict local military heroes and scenes of battle as a thank you to American veterans. Here's our own Monty Montgomery with the story. Ray Bubba Sorensen was born in the heartland of America. So I was born in Creston, Iowa, and I grew up in the little town of Fontenelle, Iowa, about 600 people. You know, played 
uh, about every sport and uh, I just had kind of a, your normal generic uh, high school or, or small town upbringing before technology really hit, I guess. So uh, my uncle Ted uh, served in uh, Vietnam as a Navy CB and you know most most of the country knows that you know our Vietnam veterans weren't treated very well when they returned back from service and they came home to a to a very ungrateful nation and you know some were spat on some were you know protested as they got off buses and planes and a lot of those guys kind of hid their service or or were ashamed of their service and my mom told me about all that and uh, you know that never sat well with me and then of course like as I was growing up, movies like Rambo, TV shows like Tour of Duty, old old shows, uh, World War II dramas like Combat. My mom would watch those with me, and although you know they were you know fictional, they were based on actual narratives of Vietnam veterans, World War II veterans. So my mom was able to kind of illustrate to me the service and sacrifice of of all of these men and women, how much, especially our Korean War, which was a forgotten war, and and our Vietnam veterans were treated when they came back. And that just really stuck with me, you know, and as I, as I grew up, I started to, I guess, parallel stories here, become interested in art. Like I said, I had a love for football, so a lot of my artwork is, you know, patriotic or it was very much sports-based. So, you know, I kind of just started, I guess, on this diverging course of my love for veterans and, you know, my patriotism growing and me growing as an artist just kind of set me on this course to, I wanted to say thank you to our veterans. But the birth of Ray's ultimate idea to say thank you happened in a movie theater. What the ultimate spark was is I was sitting in a movie theater watching the movie Saving Private Ryan. And, you know, if you've seen that movie, you know, the first half hour, you know, our men, and, and you could even say boys, some of them were 17, 16, 17, 18 years old, are literally storming the beaches of Normandy, spilling their guts for our country. And it was just so realistic, so in your face of, you know, what maybe a glimpse of, of what war was like. And I just left the theater saying, I've got to find a way to say thank you to all our men and women that serve this country. And that was kind of the birth of the Freedom Rock. When I had the idea to, you know, paint the very first Freedom Rock, I thought, where am I going to put this mural? Where, you know, I, I have no, no experience as a mural artist. So for me, I wasn't going to, you know, tap, tap some business owner on the shoulder and say, hey, can I, I have no experience at all. Can I paint the side of your wall? So, you know, my, my thoughts turned to the rock out there. The first rock was uh, known as just the rock. The rock, it sits next to a rock quarry and, you know, they're mining, uh, you know, gravel and, and limestone and, and things out of this quarry. And, they hit this huge granite boulder. So they just left it there as a marker to the entrance to the quarry. And kids started graffitiing it. And I started tagging it with, you know, all sorts of stuff, you know. I think there's been marriage proposals. There have been, there was a giant M&M at once. There were, there were, uh, I think one of, I have one of the pictures though. One of the funnier ones was Santa Claus with his pants down, moon in the traffic around Christmas. And, and that's just kind of how it went. And I thought, hey, for Memorial Day, I'm gonna go out there I'm gonna throw my paint on there, say thank you to the veterans. And, you know, my thought was, it's gonna get painted over and be long forgotten. You know, it was just gonna be my one time to say thank you and then it was gonna to continue to be graffitied through the years. 
I grabbed all the paint I could, what I thought was outdoor paint. I mixed oil and acrylic, which is a huge no-no in the art world. I had no idea what I was doing, but I was going to kind of teach myself how to paint a mural. And so that was that was the start of it. And I just, I it was bound and determined to say thank you to these veterans. And uh, you know, my mom and dad always tell this little side story. I, I'm a college student, so I'm broke. And uh, I was like, mom, can you buy the, the paint for this rock? I wanna say thank you to our veterans. And she called dad and she was like, I don't, he wants to go paint that large boulder north of town. You know, do I buy the paint? It's gonna be 50 bucks. And dad was like, do it. That sounds like a, a heck of a project. And so they kind of both take credit for, you know, buying the first paint for the original Freedom Rock. And, and that's how it was born. I painted uh, Thank You Veterans for Our Freedom and the flag raising at Iwo Jima because that is my all time favorite picture. And it happened exactly like I thought. I painted it, lasted for a few months. Thank you to the veterans. Somebody painted over it, fine, moving on. But the thing is, is Memorial Day came around again and some local veterans asked, hey, will you go out there and paint that same thing that you did last year for us? And I thought, you know what? I'm gonna do one better. And so I went out there and I painted uh, Lee Teeter's reflections, or at least a version of it, um, you know, painting it on a rock. And like I said, as a, as a budding mural artist, I still have a lot to learn, but I gave a shot at you know that famous reflections uh, Vietnam veterans uh, memorial wall painting and some other scenes and that ended up lasting for an entire year, which was unheard of with the rock. It always got painted over within a month or two, but nobody touched that one. And so it lasted a year. And that was like around the town, around the Dare County where the rock was famous. Everybody's like, oh my God, nobody's painted over the rock. Nobody, what's gonna happen? Nobody painted over the rock. Are we just leaving this how it is? And instead of doing that, I thought, well, I don't wanna kill the spirit of the rock changing. You know, people kind of got used to it, having different artwork on it. So I thought, well, I'll go out there and I'll paint another different scene thanking our veterans. And so that's kind of what snowballed it into the annual tradition of, you know, I go out there at the start of May and I allow myself the month of May. I finish my new artwork thanking our veterans and I'm always done by Memorial Day no matter what. So some years get more detail than others um, just depending on weather and time and how many visitors I get. And that's, that's kind of the whole story of how The Rock became, uh, I guess, my canvas of choice and, uh, and, and how I've spent the past 22 years uh, repainting it every Memorial Day. And since then, Ray's project has expanded beyond the original rock. It's a much, much larger operation now because of some interesting Iowan inspiration. I started the what's known as the Freedom Rock Tour. I had the idea to try and paint a smaller version of the original Freedom Rock in every single one of Iowa's 99 counties. I don't know if you know, politics-wise, we have a, a, a very famous senator from Iowa, Chuck Grassley, He's always known for doing what's called the full grassley, and that means you know visiting every single Iowa county, um, you know every time he runs for re-election. And I thought, you know, how neat of an idea is that to be able to go to each one of our 99 counties? And I thought, you know, how cool would it be as an artist to have uh, a piece of artwork in all of Iowa's 99 counties? And so that's kind of where it was born. And uh, my first idea was to try and do. Uh, one in all 50 states, and my wife was like, "Hey, let's let's scale it back a little bit and see, 
you know, let's let's keep you closer to home and keep keep you in state. And so we kind of talked it over, and we decided to do the one in every every county in Iowa. And uh, when we announced it, I thought, you know, there's only going to be a few people that get it, or you know, I was like, I, I told my wife, I was like, if we book ten in the first year, we'll be lucky because I just didn't figure people would you know jump on it that quickly. We ended up booking sixty of the Iowa counties in the first year and then subsequently booked all the counties in the few years after that. And uh, started off, and I just finished uh, a week or two ago, I finished the 95th out of 99 counties in Iowa. And you're listening to Ray Bubba Sorensen tell his story of the Freedom Rocks in Iowa. And it took saving Private Ryan, well, to just act as a catalyst for this endeavor. The Freedom Rocks, the story continues here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors in our lives, big ones and small ones. If we keep them bottled up, boy, that can be a real problem. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest, to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I know people who've profoundly benefited from therapy, learning everything from coping skills to setting boundaries in their life. You don't have to have experienced major trauma to benefit from therapy. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's safe. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, 
and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash OAS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash OAS. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash OAS. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. And we return to our American stories and the story of the Freedom Rocks, painted rocks thanking our veterans and found across the state of Iowa and slowly moving across the United States. Ray now shares with us the stories of some of the memorable people he's met while painting these rocks. Take it away, Ray. I have a few really special stories that kind of stick out. Probably the very first one is, uh, you know, goes with uh, the guy that I call the Sergeant in Arms of the Rock now. He's kind of been a caretaker of the flags out there and just kind of overall maintenance of what's going on with the grounds around it. He's a Vietnam veteran and he was uh, driving semi-truck for one of the, the local companies in town. And uh, I, just, I just started painting the one, that, that uh, the very first one. And I started painting it. I put the, had the flag raising done. I, was, I think I was working on the lettering. And he's coming down this large hill, coming towards the rock, and he slams on the brakes of the semi-truck and pulls over. And I thought to myself, like, oh, crap, I'm in trouble for painting this rock. And I kept telling myself, like, I had called the quarry and asked permission. I have every right to be here and paint this. You know, this guy gets out of the truck, and he almost looks angry. And he's like, are you the one painting this? And I was like, yes. And I was like, sweating a little bit and he was like i just want to say thank you he's like us vietnam veterans didn't get a very good welcome home and i appreciate you know people when they do stuff like this for our veterans and so it's become kind of a lifelong friendship from there on out and for the past 22 years he's kind of helped me keep an eye on the rock and keep the flags up and flying and and uh so it's that was that was one of the memorable ones uh another one you know a few years into painting it I had a young man, I, and I say young man because I think he was younger than me even at the time, and I was fairly young. Um, he had just gotten back from overseas, and he came out and very polite, you know, said, appreciated my work as a veteran. He also appreciated how quiet it was when it wasn't a patriotic holiday. Like, he didn't, he didn't come out to the rock on the Memorial Days, the 4th of July's, and things like that. He always came out on a non-holiday. 
to sit and reflect. And he also said that like he was had, had he told me, he's like, I, I had suicidal thoughts. I wasn't feeling very good about myself or my service. I came out here, I sat on this little rock and I stared at your rock. And he goes, it just changed my whole perspective. I, he goes, I don't want to get all mushy about it. I just wanted to be, I wanted to tell you that. And I wanted to tell you how much it meant to me. And then he got up and left. And I thought, wow, that's, that was powerful. And that's one, stories like that are one of the many reasons people always ask, why do you continue to do this? Why do you continue to paint for our veterans? And it's veterans like that, that I don't know that I may be affecting in a positive way. And I hope I am. I hope it's landing that way with all of them, um, whether I get to talk to them or not. Like I tell my wife and I've told my parents before, if I, if I get to save one veteran or if I've, I've affected somebody like that, uh, that's, that's good enough for me. Ray also creates his murals with more than just paint. I've actually painted the remains or cremains of many veterans on the rock or mixed them with the paint and painted them on there. So at, the, at current, I'm around 120 different Vietnam veterans' ashes are mixed into the green paint of the helicopter on the north side of the rock. And uh, how that started was some Vietnam veteran bikers that were on their way to the wall in Washington, D.C. for Memorial Day stopped at the rock. I was painting a tribute to our you know, Vietnam veterans at the time, and they, you know, they absolutely loved it. And they go, hey, can we go get some ashes of our recently fallen uh, Vietnam veteran brothers and sprinkle them here by the rock? And I said, I wish you'd just dump them in my paint can and I'll paint them on the rock because it's so windy out here. You know, I don't want them to blow away in the wind. And they loved that idea. So they, about seven or eight of them went and got these ashes and they kind of all dumped them into my, my paint can. And I mixed them up and, and painted it all on uh, these helicopters on the, on the north side of the rock. And, and they loved it. And I thought that was a neat little tribute. And I thought it was over after that. And then I started getting Vietnam veterans ashes in the mail. Started getting them from all over the country and they came with letters and they came in different little pill boxes and ornate vases and sometimes just Ziploc bags. And they came saying, this is my brother. He, he passed away from Agent Orange exposure in Vietnam. Loved your rock, loved your work, wants to have parts of his remains on this rock. Got to the point where I don't think my wife liked to go into the PO box because there was always Kermains, you know, waiting for us to, and I just, what I did is I collected them each year. I'd let them ride around in the truck with me until it was Memorial Day and I was done with the rock and they were always my final addition at one o'clock on Memorial Day and they still are. So I still collect, you know, our Vietnam veterans who, who want to be a part of the rock. I collect their ashes and I, they all go on. We, we read their names off, we paint them onto the rock and they're there forever. The, the hard part and how it's gotten harder for me is I've known a lot of these veterans now. I've gotten to know them over the years and they've always said they want their final resting place to be that rock. And then they've, they've passed away and it's, you know, yeah, I've become, friends with these guys and uh, yeah it gets it gets harder and harder but I always try and say you know it, it's a it's a unique memorial and kind of a unique place for them to be and I'm, I'm so honored to even be a part of it one of the guys that was in the veterans hospital out in Omaha his son called me and said can I bring my dad out to the rock he is not in good health 
would you meet us out there? And I said, absolutely, I'll go out there and say hi, I'm in town. And uh, went out there and met him and shook his hand and, and he had oxygen hooked up to him and he was like, well, the hospital wasn't very crazy about us getting him out here, but he really wanted to see the rock, he wanted to touch the rock and he'd like to ask you if he can be, have his ashes put on the rock. And I said, well, absolutely, but you know, stick around, let's, you know, we'd like to see you get better. And what I didn't know was that he was in his final days. And two days later, I got the call that he had passed and his ashes were on the way. And so his family came out and uh, we, I believe we didn't do that one on Memorial Day. I think we did it on like July 4th because they just, they wanted to have like more of a private uh, ceremony and have the ashes go on in that way. But I just thought that's, it's, it's amazing how much the Freedom Rocks message has gotten out there and I'm glad it has. And it's kind of amazing the response and, and how many veterans want to be a part of it. And, and that couldn't, couldn't make me happier. I've just, I guess I, I would say, I, I don't know how to describe it, but I feel very lucky to live in this country. And, and there's so many men and women that have fought and died for this country over its many years. And I feel like I owe them at the very least this, if not more. I, I, feel, I feel guilty and spoiled to be able to enjoy such a beautiful country and the freedom to, to tr try and earn to make a living. And, and I, didn't, I wasn't forced to join the service. I wasn't drafted. I didn't join. I'm not a veteran. And, and how lucky am I? And that, that's my outlook. And that's my outlook every day. I always tell people like, you know, like, oh, what are you doing for Memorial Day weekend? Or this is Memorial Day or Veterans Day. And I'm like, for me, every day is Memorial Day and Veterans Day. It's just, that's the way it is with my family. Um, I've kind of roped them into a, a lifetime of solitude with me, and uh, our goal is always to thank our veterans, lift our veterans up, and uh, do what we can to honor them and say thank you. And a special thanks to Ray Bubba Sorensen for sharing this beautiful story, and, and thanks as always to Monty for doing such a great job on the production. And what a beautiful thing to do with your life, Ray. Go to thefreedomrock.com and donate to the Freedom Rock Foundation to help support the preservation of these rocks. The story of Ray Bubba Sorensen, the story of the Freedom Rock, here on Our American Stories. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This is Our American Stories, and we tell stories of all kinds here on our show, including your stories. Send them to OurAmericanStories.com. They're some of our favorites. And today... We have Lindsay Gallant telling her story. Lindsay is a student of one of our regular contributors, teacher and author Leslie Leyland Fields. Today, Lindsay will be sharing a story about a time she was challenged to an eating contest. Hunger drove our college music ministry team down to the church basement after the morning service. After many weekends of traveling under our belt, we knew there was at least a 50% chance we would be served lasagna. We were greeted by a line of smiling, serving spoon-wielding ladies, and sure enough, there was lasagna. Not only lasagna, but mounds of steaming rice and spiced chicken, heaping bowls of garden salad, baskets of rolls, pounds of butter, and a variety of desserts set out on little white plates. 
church hospitality at its finest. After grace, we were invited to the food. I was toward the front of the line, as usual. I had somewhat of a reputation for being a big eater. I was a slim thing, so no one expected it. But in the college cafeteria, when they called for seconds, I jumped up quicker than anyone. I was always hungry. Where do you put it all? My big guy friends asked. You must have two hollow legs. I only shrugged and smiled. Fast metabolism, I guess. I enjoyed the element of surprise. In high school, I had been dubbed the stomach after I was challenged by my youth group leader to pack down a 19-ounce burger at Red Robin's. I did it, fries and all, much to the astonishment of my friends. I had told this story to my music team, and I think they believed me. But my friend EJ, a stocky Filipino with an appetite of his own, wanted proof. That day in the church basement, he challenged me to an eating contest. The rules were simple. Match plate for plate. Keep eating until your opponent could eat no more. It was the perfect opportunity, as the foil trays of pasta seemed endless, and we didn't have to sing again until the evening service. EJ and I walked up to the counter and each grabbed a plate with lasagna and chicken. It was on. Plate number one. We sat opposite each other at the table, each of us oozing confidence. The whole music team was in on it by now, choosing sides. We laughed good-naturedly as we ate, egging each other on and telling stories of our past culinary conquests. The lasagna was gooey on the inside and crispy on the top. The chicken skin had the right crunch and the rice was perfectly seasoned. I ate quickly, which is part of the strategy. Little sips of water to keep things going smoothly, but not too much. This was going to be fun. Plate number two. An easy follow-up. I made sure to add some salad to the side and another roll to keep things balanced. Everything was delicious. As a kid, we weren't always sure of seconds around our table, and there was no such thing as an all-you-can-eat buffet in town. It was kind of nice to give in completely to my appetite, at no extra cost. I finished my second plate, as most people were just starting to get theirs, if they were going for seconds at all. Plate number three. On a normal Sunday, I would have stopped here. I could have been full after the first two plates, if I had wanted to be, but I knew I still had room. I sprang up for the third helping before EJ was finished his second plate. He was slowing down and I had to keep my momentum. The thrill of the challenge spurred me on. Aren't you getting full yet? EJ asked a little nervously. Nope, I grinned and shoveled in another layer of noodles. Plate number four. I was a full plate ahead of EJ by this point. As he plodded through plate three, I dug into my fourth. I was getting a little tired of lasagna, 
and my stomach was definitely expanding into discomfort. I looked at his plate and the slowly receding food. Don't forget your salad, I said. Salad? He shot back. You've been eating salad too? It was a drastic oversight on his part. Oh yes, I said. You'll have to catch up on that. He groaned. When plate number four was done, I took a deep breath. I was still a full serving ahead. Well, EJ, I think I'm getting full, I said, slowly leaning back in my chair. I guess it's time to start on the desserts. We both got up, him for his fourth plate of the main course, and me for my first dessert from the dessert table. I think we were both waddling just a little. There were quite a few options of church baking. Hmm, I may just have to try them all, I teased, choosing a square of spongy vanilla cake with sauce dripping over it. Back at our table, EJ slumped over his mountain of food and the extra big pile of salad. I can't believe a girl is getting ahead of me, he exclaimed, shaking his head. Nineteen ounces of beef, EJ, I reminded him calmly, holding up a forkful of cake, plus the fries. I took the opportunity to slow down a little myself. After all, he still had some catching up to do. I really wanted to try the pie, though, and ambled back to the dessert table. There's always room for pie, I declared as I sat back down, and a little coffee to go with it. EJ was visibly struggling. Finally, he finished the salad and went for his first dessert selection. After the pie, I was decidedly full, more than full, but I could see the finish line and I was ahead. I figured a light pudding dish would be the easiest third choice to slide down. He moved on to dessert number two. How's your cake? I asked, licking the last of the pudding from my spoon. He could only groan. I felt like groaning too. I wasn't sure I was actually going to be able to get up and walk after this. But I could taste the victory. One more lap to the dessert table. I could do this. When I sat back down with the chocolate cake, EJ was whimpering over his pudding. He managed to look up, and I saw dread in his eyes. I held the cake up like a trophy. Dessert number four, I announced. EJ threw down his fork and wailed, I can't do it! I give up! My friends cheered. I finished the chocolate cake just to seal my supremacy. To everyone's surprise, the little girl with the big stomach won the eating contest. I never let on how sick I felt all afternoon. It was a matter of pride. I did sneak away to a corner of the church where I could lay flat for a while, hoping the weight of the consumed food would spread itself out a little more evenly. My famous stomach had found its limit. Almost 20 years later, I'm still known for loving my food, though I haven't accepted any more ridiculous challenges. I still eat more than my husband most days. My metabolism has noticeably slowed down, 
but there are days my appetite still surprises me. It's funny how a nickname given in one day can stick with you for life. My sisters still call me The Stomach. My friends automatically give me the biggest slice of cake at a party. How can you not be full, they ask. If only they knew. There is a hunger inside me that has never quite gone away. It's not the kind of growl that can be silenced with a plate of lasagna. There are days I still feel like a four-year-old who missed her afternoon snack and is melting down while supper cooks. I thought I would have grown out of this by now. After all, I have everything I need to be content. Yet, there's a deep calling desire for something more. There is a satisfaction I seek that comes after that last lick of the dessert spoon. It's a homesick kind of hunger. Maybe this bottomless pit is actually a gift that keeps whispering, there's a feast yet to come. I can't wait to be first in line. Lindsay, the stomach galant story here on Our American Stories. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel... It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.